Do you ever wish you had a guidebook that could help you learn more about your health and how to navigate the healthcare system? Well, good news. Today, we're going to hear from one of the authors of a book that does just that. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the key themes and insights from her book, including the importance of self-care, the benefits of a healthy lifestyle, as well as the ways you can take an active role in your own health and well-being. You'll also hear from the author about her personal journey that inspired her to write this guide and her vision for a healthier, happier, and more empowered future for all women. Hi, welcome to Beyond the Paper Gown. I'm Dr. Mitzi Crockover. Before we get started, I'd like to invite you to subscribe to our podcast so you can be sure to get the latest episodes. And if you'd rate us while you're there, I'd really appreciate it. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at beyondthepapergown.com. We provide information on our latest articles, podcasts, and upcoming women's health events. We even throw in a healthy recipe every now and then. Okay, let's get to the episode. I am delighted today to welcome Conwell Hawk, who is a medical anthropologist and also co-author of a great book called Taking Care of You, The Empowered Woman's Guide to Better Health. Welcome, Conwell. Thank you so much for having me here today. I'm really excited. Oh, it is my pleasure. So let's just start out because I don't know that everybody knows what a medical anthropologist is. So Talk to us a little bit about your background and how you chose that profession. Sure. Um, so actually, um, how it, w- it came to be was through a book. Um, when I was in college, I had a lot of questions. I was in this um, literature class. It was literature and science. And um, I had a lot of questions just about like why the world was the way it was, why our healthcare system was the way it was, and um, a lot of questions around I didn't know it at the time, but around like health equity. And so one of my professors took me aside and he said, hey, I think you need to read this book. And it was called Mountains Beyond Mountains by Dr. Paul Farmer, who was a medical anthropologist and infectious disease physician. And when I read that, I felt like for the first time, I felt like I was reading my own thoughts on paper. And the words that really resonated with me was the idea that some lives matter less is the root of all that is wrong with the world. Um, And then after I had read this book, I was kind of obsessed with the idea of becoming a medical anthropologist. And so I guess like a more formal definition of like what a medical anthropologist is, is, you know, they are someone who studies like social, cultural, biological factors that influence our health and well-being and really looking at, you know, how there's so many different ways of viewing the wor- world. There's so many different types of medical systems um, and kind of, you know, what is the what are what is the learning that we can gather from these pluralistic systems? I was looking at the book and, and reading through the book and one of the last chapters is about the factors that impact on women's health. And I've always been very sensitive to the fact that we're more than just our medical conditions. We're impacted on by so many different factors. And so I'm, you know, that's an anthropological way to kind of look at things, right? So talk to us a little bit about what are the factors that impact on women's health? Yeah, and I think so... When we talk about health, a lot of times we tend to think of 
you know, like the first thing that comes to mind is like a clinic or a hospital. Um, and in that, like we would categorize that as medical care, health care. And really, that's only about 11 percent of what constitutes our health. Um, the other really big things that um, impact our health is physical environment, socioeconomic factors, genetics, and individual health behaviors. And out of those, you know, maybe we would think genetics is next, but really um, the top um, percentage that's impacting our health is our individual health behaviors, which is 36%. And after that is socioeconomic factors, which is 24%. Genetics is about 22%. Um, and then physical environment is 7%. And so I think, you know, it's a lot of numbers, but really like what that is to say is that our own individual health behaviors and the way that we go about, are we exercising right? Are we eating right? Those are the things that really impact our health. Um, and so as we were writing this, you know, we hear that a lot, like sleep right, eat right, um, exercise, but what does that really mean, right? Like that can look like so many different things and that can look really different for different people. So somebody who has cancer is gonna have different nutritional needs than someone maybe who has depression or heart disease. Um, and so we really wanted to kind of incorporate some of that background um, into like, how folks should approach this book. Um, and really, the medical condition itself is not the end all be all. And there's all of these other things um, that impact us. And so that last section is actually called taking care of you. So we talk about some of those things like nutrition and exercise and sleep and relationships um, and hobbies. Um, and some things we may not, you know, very like, we may not make that connection to health right away. Um, you know, what I really like about the ones that you picked are that those are things that we have control over to, to some extent, uh, some more than others. And I think that's really important because when I think about all the factors that impact on women's health, all the ones that you said are so important. I love that you had the statistics, but I also think about politics and policy, right? Whether or not research has been done. The good news is the number of innovations that are coming up for women's health. And, you know, I would say that maybe the the policy ones we might be able to maybe impact on in mass but at the same time the ones that you've picked are, are very much what individuals can do for themselves and i want to underline that so again understanding that you came to this book as an anthropologist um, how did you get connected with dr o'connor who by the way is an orthopedic surgeon yeah so that's kind of a funny story and we always laugh because we haven't really met in person. The only time we met in person was uh, the first time I saw her, um, which was from, you know, across a room. She was really advocating to do the right thing um, and to make sure that really we were offering patient-centered care. So she was the director of musculoskeletal care at Yale at the time. And I saw her and I was like, you know, this person is really focused on doing what's right um, for our patients, for our community. And so then I looked her up and I saw that she had done a lot of work in health equity. She was really passionate about women's empowerment, women's health. I just thought we had a lot of um, interests that overlapped. It took two years before I was actually, you know, brave enough to approach her. Um, and then when I did, I was kind of sorry that I'd waited so long because we had so many things to talk about. Um, and, you know, through that, like this book arose because Mary had had an idea of writing a book before and I had had some thoughts of, you know, things that I wanted to change within the healthcare system and how I wanted to maybe help the women around me, but I wasn't really sure how to. So it was really, you know, this serendipitous um, union that came to be uh, because we were 
you know, I guess at the right place at the right time to meet each other. Sure. And I think it's a great book. It's a really beautiful book. It's beautifully illustrated and just it feels good. It is a bit of a tome. It's 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 uh, good for weightlifting as well. <laughs> but I know that you have that on Kindle. Yeah. We can talk about that in just a moment. But what was the process that you went through? Because the way that you define women's health, and I want to talk about that, was very broad. And there's a lot there. And you, again, not just focused on the medical conditions, but you also talked about habits, factors, even how to select a doctor how to talk to a doctor. Talk to us a little bit about the process and how you decided what was a priority. Sure. So, you know, in all honesty, part of this was really influenced by my own experiences and, um, you know, experiences of my loved ones and seeing them kind of struggle with getting with getting care. Um, and so when I saw that and having, you know, a mom who struggles with an autoimmune disorder, that didn't fit into, I guess, like a women's health category because it wasn't related to like, you know, her ovaries or her uterus. Um, so I didn't, as I was younger, I didn't realize what was part of women's health and what was not. And so when I started looking into what is the definition of women's health when we're talking about women's health, I didn't have the terminology at the time, but I just was like, well, women are more than boobs and tubes. Um, and <laughs> what that. about all of the rest? You know, like, what about all of these other pieces of us? The things that are killing women are heart disease, stroke, diabetes. Um, and, but these are not the things that come to mind when we think of women's health. Um, and so with that, we really wanted to make sure that as women, you know, get a hold of this book, they are really understanding like what is women's health at large we've only got about half of the conditions we wanted to cover but there's 55 and like you said it's already you know um it's already a weight so we <laughs> couldn't add more to this section but maybe the next one um sure. and really then focused on templating this so that it's in a, written in a way that's digestible um and easy to use so for example like if you you change you you turn to the chapter on PCOS or heart disease or stroke or whatever it is, it's going to tell you, what is this condition? Can it be prevented? How is it treated? Why it matters to women, right? And so, like, while this is a book for women's health, like, we think anybody um, could benefit from this because in that section, you're going to kind of, you're going to learn about, you know, how is this different in women and men? Um do we have enough research on this topic? And that was something else we found because a lot of these conditions, they might present differently. They Women might experience different symptoms. They might have a different outcome. Raising our awareness on this is so important. What feedback have you received? Because I know that you, again, you came to it because you had a personal issue. So many people, especially women, obviously, are looking for answers. So I would assume that you've helped a number of people. Yeah, I think it's been really amazing to hear some of the stories that we've gotten um, in response to folks who have gotten the book and also very humbling and inspiring and kind of, you know, pushing us forward to do this work. So, for example, I had someone tell me a story about the painful sex chapter and how they were able to use that chapter to identify, you know, where they were having pain and they were able to have a conversation with their physician and tell them like, this is where I'm having pain. I'm having localized pain. When I heard that story, it was really, really impactful because it was, you know, this 
woman, she learned she doesn't have to deal with painful sex for the rest of her life. And two, she was able to, you know, identify exactly where it was herself. She was able to advocate for herself and she was able to change her life. And I think this isn't something we take lightly in terms of how much advocating for ourselves can do because really you know your body best and you meet with your doctor for 15-20 minutes and they're going to be able to do their best based on the information that you give them. We worked with over a hundred women physicians and health experts and they all sat down and we asked them you know if you could if you had all the time in the world what are those nuggets of advice that you wish you could give every woman. So those are in these sections as pearls of wisdom. When we ask them, like, what are the questions that you wish women were asking you so that you could give them the best care? They helped us craft those questions. So those questions are in here so that you can get the most out of that visit and you get the, get the most out of your care. Um, and, you know, another story that we heard was related to migraines. Um, and someone, you know, she had actually read choosing the right doctor for you or the right clinician for you. She had read that chapter and then she read the migraines chapter. So she only read two chapters in the book. She read the migraines chapter because she deals with migraines and she read the chapter about choosing your clinician because she wasn't sure if her clinician was really listening to her. And she'd been having she'd been having some side effects with the medication she was on um, and she wanted to change that. And she wasn't really sure because her clinician was like, well, this is the medication you should be on. And after reading that chapter, really, you know, it talks a lot about kind of going with your gut and looking for those things. Is this person listening to me? You know, do I feel comfortable? And then there's more logistical things of, you know, like how far are they and do they take your insurance, etc. But she was able to use that and find someone who really worked for her, who listened to her and able to change her medication so she doesn't have all of these awful side effects. And this was a way for her to go forward, and not give up. As you talked about that great story, it really is a great story, so many women feel that they either are dismissed, haven't been heard, their doctor doesn't know enough. Uh, so I think that those are really good points. So could you just repeat those? Because again, I think that they're so great to underline. Yeah, for finding a clinician. So we talk about how does this person make you feel, right? Do you feel heard? Do you feel listened to? Do you feel like when you tell them something that they are going to take this to heart or they're they're going to brush it off. And those are really important because you are giving them clues to figure out what's going on and to help them. And so you really want someone who's going to work with you because you're a team when you're working with your with your clinician, whether that's a doctor or a nurse practitioner or a PA, they are part of your team. And that's also another thing we talk about. Sometimes we may feel limited because our insurance may say, I only will cover X, Y, or Z. Even if there's two people, one may be better, a better fit for you than the other. And now, like with telehealth, one of the things has been that we've expanded our options across the country. And so before, one of the things we might have focused on is like distance. And now with telehealth, you may be able to get somebody in the state. For example, like where I'm from in Missouri, you can drive seven hours and you're still in the state of Missouri. Um, and so while I may not be able to find the specialist right there in like my rural hometown, I can connect with somebody maybe who is seven hours away, but still covered by my insurance within my network and get the care that I need in the comfort of my own home. Sure. And then the other 
health expert that a lot of us consult is Dr. Google, right? <laughs> you have a chapter on your in your book about internet searching and, and things to look out for. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so in um, is Google your first responder? Again, <laughs> this is guided because, you know, that's guilty. I'm the first one, you know, like I've got a headache and, you know, let me Google this. And of course, like every, you know, they always say like it leads you down, you know, this like really miserable path. Um, and so, but with that, you know, if you use Google in a way that um, is productive and could help you navigate your conversation better, it's, it's totally fine to do. And so we offer some tips on like, who wrote this article? Where is it coming from, right? Like, is this coming from the NIH or is this coming from somebody who's trying to sell you supplements, right? So kind of figuring out what is the purpose of this website? Who's the author of this website? When was it published, right? Um, like, how old is it? Because research changes all the time. We kind of walk you through, we have like a little step-by-step -step guide in terms of like, okay, you know, here's the website. Is it .com? Is it .gov? What is it? Um, and so it helps you kind of narrow down um, based on these questions um, for, you know, is this is this information I should take to my doctor and um, consult them with? Um, so for example, you may find like a PubMed article that was published a few months ago and like maybe your doctor hasn't seen it um, on a weird rash. And I'm saying this because I did this, you know, the last time I went <laughs> to the doctors um, and she was like, oh, this is interesting. Um, so we had a great conversation about it. Um, and so in that way, you know, it can be really great, like supplemental information. Um, but we have to be careful, you know, like it's not, you know, it's not fake news or coming from Facebook or WhatsApp or something like that. My, my dad has a cup and it says, you know, like your Google search can't replace my degree or like my MD degree. And I think that's really true because physicians, they go through really intense process to understand how the body works and how to treat. And so we should never self-diagnose. Um, uh, you know, it comes with years and years of training and experience and their network of other physicians and who have this shared experience. Um, but I think you should also never feel that you can't have this discussion with your, with your doctor. Absolutely. And I think your point is well taken because I know that when a patient came in to see me and had you know, some questions based on the internet, it was a great opportunity to really talk about the issues and debunk some myths, perhaps. And again, sometimes I learn some things, right? So I would say that that could also be kind of a sign to see if, if that's the physician for you, if they're willing to have that discussion. We've talked a lot about the individual and what individuals can do with their own health care. For those who want to change the landscape of women's health for the better, what might you suggest? Yeah, I think if you want to contribute to this to um, better the health of women, so one of the things, I guess, you know, with our book, 95% of the proceeds go back to Mayo Clinic for health and education. So that is our way of using this tool to help women right now and to invest in women's health for decades to come. Um, and I think with that, um, you know, there's a lot of folks who are doing a lot of amazing things in women's health. So you can get out there, you can invest in women's health in a new startup that is um, 
focused on taking care of women. Um, and there's a lot of research that is missing, unfortunately. So funding research, getting involved in research, um, participating in trials. These are a lot of ways that many of us can help. I would say that there's another thing that people can do, and that is vote, because Absolutely. The, the lawmakers are what determines policy, and policy is what really dictates the budget for research, even the laws that mandated that women and, and other underrepresented groups be included in clinical trials, and now even looking at sex as a biological vari variable even earlier on. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, and I totally agree with that, you know, um, from starting from like the local level to the state level to the federal level, like getting involved in voting is so, so important. Um, and, you know, when healthcare decisions are being made, 80% of healthcare decisions are made like in homes by women. Um, but why aren't we making those decisions, you know, for the country at large uh, when we're really the ones on the ground making these decisions? And I think that's that's something we all can participate in and um, learn about. And I think like sometimes it's uh, it can feel a little bit scary, a little bit overwhelming. Um, but again, everything, you know, like you were saying earlier, things we may not think about that are connected um, to our health can be very much connected. So civic engagement, 100%. <laughs> yeah, and I think that we saw that right with the recent overturn of Roe v. Wade about how those kinds of decisions can be made. So what did I not ask you that you feel is important for our listeners to know or consider? I think um, in terms of just, you know, we, we talked about some things today that <laughs> aren't the best to hear, you know, it's not great to hear that women's health is so behind. But what can we do about it? Um, there's a lot that we can do about it. Like from here, we can only go forward. And so this book is really our love letter to women. Um, and we hope that, you know, this helps you better advocate for your health, for your loved ones, you know. Um, and I think that's something women tend to already do. We're very good at advocating for others, but not so great at advocating for ourselves. Um, and, you know, I hope this will create communities so when we're not feeling as comfortable for advocating for ourselves, we have another woman who says, you know, no, you need to do that. Like, you need to ask your doctor these questions or no, you need to make that appointment or, you know what, go find another doctor. Um, and so sometimes we need a little push from our friends. Um, and I think this is a book that I hope is shared amongst friends, amongst mothers and daughters and grandmothers. Um, and again, I think it looks intimidating, but you can just turn to whatever chapter you want. And we've got three different sections. The first is kind of like women and the landscape of women's health. So you can, you know, learn in there about Google, picking your provider, <laughs> should you go to the ER urgent care. Um, and then there's the bulk, which is clinical conditions. And then the last one, taking care of you, which has, you know, the topics we were discussing earlier, like nutrition, sleep, research, vaccines, so on. Um, but I really think the biggest thing is starting the conversation and also knowing that you can do something every single day to better your health, right? Um, so we end the book with a chapter called You're a Health Promoter. Um, and Mary actually has a great TED Talk on this as well of being a health promoter and what that means, right? So we talk about like that could mean like taking a walk with your friend at lunchtime or bringing in healthy snacks, um, 
for your kids um, and for your family. Um, starting a garden with your neighbors. There's a lot of things that we can do, like just in the our own immediate vicinities that can help better just our own health and that for our families and for our communities. And everybody can take place in that. That's a great thought to end on. Thank you so much, Conwell Hawk, co-author of the book, Taking Care of You. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you. I hope you found this podcast informative and helpful in your own journey towards better health and wellness. I've often said that our health is impacted by many factors, not only our medical conditions, but also our lifestyle choices, as well as our access to healthcare providers. Our health is also affected by how our healthcare providers interact with us and how informed they are about women's health issues. You know, it may not always feel like you have control over those factors, but I do hope this conversation has provided you insights on how you can advocate for yourself, make healthy choices, and be a more savvy healthcare consumer. As you heard, all of this and more is covered in the book, I'm Taking Care of You, An Empowered Woman's Guide to Optimal Health, and we'll have the link to how you can purchase it in our podcast notes. We'd love to hear your thoughts about what you heard today, so you can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook, and leave a comment as well, and join our forum at beyondthepapergown.com. Our podcast was produced by Patrick Shambayati and me, And our associate producer is Kyla McMillian. As always, thanks for listening and be well.